Hey everybody, welcome to episode 86 of the Masterclass. My name's Cam Brennan, his name is Dave Hogue, and we are your gracious hosts. Yes, we are. Is that a, is that a, a gracious host? Is it something you say about yourself? Or is that <laughs> something you say to people after they have hosted you well? Yes. Mm. Mm. Mayhaps I used incorrect words. <laughs> Anyways, it's episode 86, Dave. We're back. In your basement yet again. Yes, we are. It is our second episode of 2017. Two for two, man. Two for two right now, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be perfect this year, Dave. No mistakes. Deal? No mistakes? No mistakes. We're gonna be perfect. Yeah, no. (laughs) So, uh, before today's episode, I posted something in our Slack group to uh all of our hosts and uh our patrons that are in there well our patron i should say we have one we have one patron that's made their way into our slack so far and uh, i asked this question i said we're recording uh episode 86 of the masterclass tonight and we should be talking about the abomination of desolation i left a little wiggle room in there in case we decided to freak out and talk about something else <laughs> uh anyone have questions or suggestions uh for discussion points and then martin who uh writes for our college football blog um who i also may have beaten in the college football pick'em just <clears throat> just Ooh. saying uh he goes yeah what is that <laughs> <laughs> so martin rest assured we will we will hopefully answer the question of what the abomination of desolation is. And my response to him was, well, besides being the best name for a pro wrestling finishing move ever, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but we'll look into it. The abomination of desolation. Yeah. It just, it sounds foreboding and anyways, we'll get into it. Cause that's going to be our, uh, our main topic really for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you want to say or share about anything before we dive into what is sure to be um, something? Um, you know, the only thing that came to my mind was my latest book that I'm listening to. And I did not go seeking this out. I kind of just stumbled upon it as I was choosing a book to listen to. And this is it's called The Insanity of God. Super. Yeah. And it is by Nick Ripkin. Any relation to Cal? No, because it is not his real name. And basically... It's a pseudonym? No, a pen name? What's what's that? Yeah, I think it's a pen name, but I'm not... uh, His ministry is actually like nickripkin.org or something. Nickripkinministries.org or something like that. Why doesn't he use his real name? Well, because... He is a missionary to places in the world where the church is persecuted, including Somaliland, the former Soviet Union, which at the time that he was there was freshly the former Soviet Union. Uh, I am currently in the chapter like 20-something where he is in China, and... uh, experiencing the home churches in China. And uh, like I said, I, I didn't go out looking for this. I just kind of stumbled on it. Uh, it was a recommendation of Audible based on previous books I'd listened to. And um, 
I don't believe everyone is called to the life that Nick Ripkin and his wife, Ruth, are living, but it is a good, it's well worth listening to, and I would assume it's well worth reading. A uh, very unique uh, story about being missionaries uh, to places where Christians are persecuted. And um, some very heart-wrenching stories, not just what they see, but what happens to them and their family. And um, very honest, just sort of, I was 45 years old before I realized that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And just you know, doesn't pretend to have it all together, doesn't pretend to have all the answers, was probably very naive going into what he did. And I just, it's it's paralleled for me much of what we've been talking about in terms of the end times and uh, how for people, different people around the world, and, you know, literally hearing about Christians that have spent three years in jail, 17 years in jail, have been killed for what they believe. It's like, yeah, this is going on uh, around the world. So... Um, what was the name of the book? It, the insanity of God. And he, he has two books. There's another one, like the obedience of God or something. I'm listening to the insanity of God. Um, it's definitely a clickbaity title. <laughs> and I have not spent a lot of time on his website, but it's, it's Nick Ripken.com and it's N I K R I P K E N dot com and he he says that that is not his real name but on his website there's very much pictures of of him and his wife so i don't totally understand what that's all about but like i like i said i i just happened to stumble upon this um i don't think everybody's called to the life that he's been that he and his wife and his family live but uh the insanity of obedience is the other one. So, so he likes the insanity stuff. <laughs> well, if you listen to what he does, you're kind of like, yeah, insane. So fair enough. Uh, I actually um, started listening to a audible an audible book this morning. Um, after talking with my buddy Justin last night, he asked for some audible recommendations, and I kind of ran through my list and threw some out there. I realized that I had uh, a few credits uh, like a month or two ago that I used and then I canceled my account because I'm just like nine books behind <laughs> on my Audible uh, list. And so I, there's no point in paying more money for books that I'm clearly uh, not going to listen to for a long time. So I decided I'm going to start working my way through those now that I'm commuting back to work. And uh, so I started listening to The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Yes. I have the book. Uh, I read, I think, the first half of it back when I was a youth pastor because I was thinking about doing a uh, series um, for the students on. And we we touched on those topics, but Mm -hmm. uh, the book was more research for me back then than it was uh, solely for edification. And, you know, obviously, like, when you do research, you learn. Right. And I needed to learn it so I could teach it. But it's different when you're consuming something, be it audio or, or reading with the intent to turn around and teach it to someone. It's different when you're just reading it for your own benefit. Um, and so I thought, Oh shoot, I recommended it to Justin. I was like, I need to listen to that. So I listened to, I don't know, like an hour and a half of it today. And it's really, really good. And Tim Keller is the one who actually reads it. 
Uh, so if you are looking for some recommendations, there you go. You've got two pretty good books right there. Very different books. Yes. Uh, but you didn't ask for recommendations, but we gave them to you anyways. Yes. That's just, you know, the kind of gracious host that we are, Dave. When I keep saying gracious host as many times <laughs> as I can in this episode. And of the one, two, three, four, five Timothy Keller books that I have on my Audible, he has not read a single one of them. Really? So that's just Lloyd James, Maurice England, Maurice England, Lloyd James. So that just those two people tend to be looks like who read his books. And Maurice England looks like he does some other Oh, I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not close enough to my microphone. <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling, so I'll just quit there. It's all good. That gives me a perfect opportunity to say thank you to again this month our Patreon supporters, Katie and Lovie. Yeah. Another month thank in the you. books. Another month of support. If you guys want to get into the Slack channel that I not channel the Slack group that I mentioned earlier and get some sort of the behind the scenes stuff, like the opportunity to um, ask direct questions uh, about what we're going to be recording, have influence over uh, the stuff that we talk about. You can do so. Go to patreon.com slash super megacorp and you'll find the cut me some slack reward because I'm clever and that's what I called it. And you can find out more details there. And uh, yeah, thank you to our patrons. We love you guys. You're the best. Thank you so much. Is that cheesy? Sure. It's not what I was going bit. for. It's not what I was going for. Uh, oh, okay. Did it sound neat? No, 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 not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded manly and yes, not at all codependent. Good job. All right. Uh, we have set before us, Dave, mm-hmm. one doozy. Of a passage. Yes. Would you care to um, read it, please? So we're at Matthew 24. I need to scroll down here. 15. And we'll go through verse 28 for now. And it reads, So when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let not and let not and let the one who is oh boy, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been seen from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those, who will be, those days will be cut short. And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you that beforehand. So, if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. 
For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Right. So, so there, there's that. Yeah. This should be, uh, this should be good. All right. So, let's start with the very first thing. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. So we got to go back to Daniel, mm-hmm. which is in the Old Testament. And uh, specifically, it's in chapter 9, verse 27, where the phrase, the abomination of desolation, or in, in my uh, translation here, the ESV, it says, um, And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. That doesn't help. (laughs) Uh, Not a whole lot. Um, But I found found a few helpful um, resources. I am using my ESV study Bible, and uh, Bible snobs would call that the ESV answer Bible. Because you don't study, it just tells you answers. Ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. I didn't like those kids in college. Yeah. Um, but also, there's an article on the Gospel Coalition, which will be in the show notes as well. Um, and the title of the article is, What is the Abomination of Desolation? Which is exactly what Martin asked, and exactly what I hope we can answer to begin with, so that we can kind of... Uh, go from there and try and understand what all this doom and gloom and destruction is uh, actually talking about. So, all right, the abomination of desolation. So an abomination is uh, something terrible, something horrific, right? It's uh, used in the Old Testament, uh, according to this article, more than 100 times. Ooh. Uh, but just a few times in the New Testament, most of which are in the Gospels, talking about this. Um, and so I'm going to quote the article here. It says, An abomination is normally a great sin, commonly worthy of death. Uh, readers immersed in current debates about sexual ethics may first think an abomination is a sexual sin, uh, where Scripture refers to sexual sins like adultery, homosexuality, and bestiality as abominations. Uh, Leviticus 18, for a quick reference. Uh, but more often... Throughout the Bible, abomination refers to major covenant violations, especially idolatry, such as in Deuteronomy 7, 13, 17, 18, 27, and 32. Uh, In the historical books, abomination always describes idolatry, often with child sacrifice. Wow. And it also refers to idolatry in the prophets, including in Daniel 9 and 11. So, uh, the breaking of, uh, or sorry, the... uh, violation of a major covenant, right? So a violation of the established relationship between God and whoever, mm-hmm. be it the people of Israel, be it the, you know, the king, uh, the prophets, anyone that God has made a covenant with, that that uh, binding relationship that goes far beyond a contract goes far beyond a you know a handshake deal it is a mutually beneficial relationship geared towards the edification of both people right that's what we mean by covenant something that two people 
or two parties enter into to mutually uh, edify and love and build the other person up. It's not about yourself. It is about uh, enjoying the uh, goodness of right relationship, kind of like Jesus had with the Holy Spirit and God. Uh-huh. And so a, ma- a major violation of any covenant is an abomination. And I guess you can begin to understand why. Uh-huh. You know, you think of the marriage covenant. Uh-huh. That um, the Bible talks about, and you know, the 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 man representing uh, Jesus and the wife representing the church, and 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 all of the, uh, oh gosh, the spiritual implications involved in that—the man sacrificing himself and laying himself down for the benefit of the church, the church worship, you know, all all of the the uh, things that are larger than our humanity. Mm-hmm. that a covenant like that represents. And so a major violation of a covenant like that is often something real bad, right? I would think so. <laughs> I mean, you think of what's a, what's a violation of the marriage covenant? Mm-hmm. Adultery, murder, um, that's pretty bad, right? Right. Getting angry at each other, not a violation of the covenant, right? Right. Being Normal. being selfish, not a good thing, definitely a sin, not a violation of the covenant. It probably stresses the covenant, but, but when you're in violation of something, and as an officer of the law, perhaps you can uh, elaborate on what being in violation of something means. Like To me, violation is like, here's the line, you blew past it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. Like when someone violates the law, what does that mean to you? Um, they... I mean, the word that comes to my mind is they break the law. <laughs> That's probably not the best way uh, to say it. Um, well, I think I, there's, I think there's this like there's a there's a legitimate like disregard. There's uh, there's kind of this awareness. There's intent behind that. Exactly. And um, so yeah, so so to me, a, a, a violation is. Um, yeah, this idea of I know what I'm not supposed to do, and yet I do it anyway. And not only do I do it anyway, but uh, there's kind of a disregard for, you know, I don't care that this law exists. And so, um, and I, and well, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I started to go yeah. down my whole other political road. Well, yeah, the, the idea of that there's intent. Behind mm-hmm. it, I think is is you you nailed that, um, but I don't I don't think that breaking is a bad metaphor, and I think it's an easier one for because like oh I broke the law I went thirty six like technically yes you sped right um, but th- the concept of breaking something means it once was whole and working properly, mm-hmm. and now because of something that you chose to do, it no longer functions the way it's supposed to. And so when you violate a covenant, you take the covenant that is working, that is whole, that is as it should be, and when you break it, when you violate it on purpose, right, Mm -hmm. you take what was good and you have now broken it, and it is no longer what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe like, oh, break the law, like that's just such a common turn of phrase that Mm -hmm. it's, you lose the impact of like, no, you, you broke something you took something that was functioning and was uh 
good and for the benefit of the greater good and you broke it you you stopped allowing it to do what it was intended to do and so when we think of this term abomination i want people to think of like this to your point this is an intent this is something that is that is devastating to whatever it acts upon you know and i feel like the word abomination at least in my world has kept that meaning of okay we throw a violation around like oh three second violation in basketball it's not a violation mm-hmm. it's a foul <laughs> i mean yeah he broke the rules but it's a, it's a game it's not a covenant right it's just it's a stupid game that a lot of people like mm-hmm. and frankly i like it too but you get my point it's, right. it's it's not moral it's not ethical it's not spiritual it's just a game mm-hmm. uh but the term abomination, I don't know about you. I don't hear people throwing that word around too much. No, no. <laughs> Travesty, maybe. Uh, but usually the term abomination is reserved for stuff that is truly awful. Yeah. Uh, genocide. Um, hate crimes. Um, terrorist attacks, things that are truly and genuinely horrible. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I find interesting about that, at least nowadays, is that a lot of people, regardless of what they believe politically, uh, theologically, um, will agree on what an abomination is and isn't. Yes. So I think that we've got that in our favor, that we understand, and I feel like I'm beating this to a, you know... (laughs) The bloody Pope here, so we'll move on quickly, but just keep that in mind with abomination. So we move on to uh, Daniel chapter 9, and it's uh, that whole section 9, 10, and 11 is it's pretty rough. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, and you guys can go back and read that. Um, it's pretty interesting. Don't read it because it's weird and difficult, read it because it's interesting and it's going to help you understand what's going on here. Um, so Daniel, according again to this article and to the quick study uh, that I did before this, um, Daniel 9, 26, and 27 refers to a prince who will destroy the city, Jerusalem, along with its temple and sacrifices. And then it says, on the wings of abominations shall come one who makes desolate. Uh, Two chapters later, there is another reference to an abomination in connection to the temple. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. So that's the second phrase there. So now we get into like the world of academia and scholarly pursuits, which is not my favorite world. Mine. Um, Not because I don't like intelligence and I don't like knowledge and I don't like, I like all of those things. It's just, the further you get into academia, the further you get away from what's actually going on. Especially when it comes to the Bible. Mm-hmm. When the Bible becomes a second, secondary or tertiary source for what you're arguing about, you've lost your mind. When people are writing doctoral... Um, theses debating what this dead German guy said versus what this dead French guy said 
and not at all concerned about the Bible, yet they're getting their, you know, PhD in theology. Mm-hmm. The Bible should be a primary source. Yes. And the dead German guy and the dead French guy should be secondary sources because guess what? Their stuff isn't the word of God. But I digress back to what we're talking about. Um, so the first reference, uh, according to a lot of scholars, is uh, referring to the Seleucid king Antiochus Epiphanes IV, who ruled Palestine uh, from 175 to 64 BC. That is a long time to be in charge. Yes. I wonder if he was like king at the age of three or something. But <laughs> It could have been. So he hated Israel. He was horrible to them. He tore down uh, the temple, stopped the sacrifices, set up an idol for Zeus, and apparently offered swine as a sacrifice just to make the Jewish folks angry and to defy their God. So it's an abomination because it's idolatry, and it brings desolation because it defiles the holy place at the heart of Israel. So the very thing that represents God's presence to the people has then been desecrated and made a mockery of, and so the covenant has been broken. So that's one theory. The other uh, theory is, let me switch to my other thing here, my Bible. And uh, so... Let me just read this real quick. So several times in Jewish history, it was thought that the prophecy was being fulfilled, most notably during the days of the Maccabees, who we've mentioned a few times in previous episodes, uh, when Antiochus Epiphanes was up to his stuff. So we've got that covered. Um, uh, But Jesus, according to this article, clarifies uh, that the complete fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy will be found in the Roman destruction of the temple in AD 70, which we've already talked about in a previous episode when we're talking, is he talking about his body or is he talking about the temple? Because the temple does get destroyed in 8070. Uh, and the image of the Antichrist being set up in the last days, which can be found in Second Second Thessalonians 2.4 and Revelation 13.14. Uh, so all of that really, really, really long-winded reading that you could have done yourself, and I probably just wasted a few minutes of your time. The abomination of desolation, I don't know. <laughs> like there's all these theories uh, yeah it could have been and so w- one of the things too about biblical prophecy um, is that there are oftentimes multiple fulfillments of the prophecy um, and oftentimes in ways that are unexpected and so it is possible that they are referring to Antiochus Epiphanes, but they're also referring to the destruction of the temple. And then you get you bring in this whole third idea of the dispensationalists, and they get into the whole 70 weeks thing from Daniel chapter 9, mm-hmm. where the first 69 weeks have happened, and then we're in this giant long gap between the 69th week and the 70th week, even though there's no gaps in between weeks, Dave. I don't think I know how a calendar works. Uh, <laughs> called the church age, which is their, you know, and I don't know how much you guys know about dispensationalism. I'm not a fan based on what I learned in college and the reading that I had to do with how they view the old Testament and, uh, the dispensations in the old Testament, you know, the Abrahamic covenant. And it, it seems like they want everything to fit a nice little formula. And that's just not how life or God works. Um, so 
all of that to say the the abomination of desolation could be Antiochus Epiphanes in the temple. It could be the temple in AD 70, or it could be something completely different. Yes. And I don't really have a fi, uh, finite, no, uh, final answer. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Did any of that make sense? Uh, yeah. And I, I haven't done extensive research on this, but in preparation, did look up and nothing that I came across made this any clearer for me. And I guess there's this, there's, there's uh, a little bit of tension uh, there for me in terms of, I feel like Jesus is saying, so when you see the abomination of desolation, like, so when this happens, uh, Back at what Daniel mentioned, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, well, I'm not in Judea, so I'm not going to worry about fleeing to the mountains. Uh, Let the one who is on the housetop go down to take what is in the house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, since it's not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. So I, I don't have a definitive thing that I, I lay on, that I land on, uh, but it does talk about uh, the great tr- tribulation. And this is one of those words that seems to be, you know, coming up quite frequently uh, for us. And again, this was not something that that I went looking for, uh, but I decided to uh, take a look at the book of uh, Revelation because I was like, well, that that has to deal with the end times, right? So, um, and in it, in Revelation one verse nine, it says, "I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation." And the kingdom and the patience endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testament of Jesus. So he's about to see everything that goes on in the book of Revelation. So before that even happens, before he even has his vision of the Son of Man, John identifies himself as our brother and partner in the tribulation. And so I, you know, it, there's there's this sense for me as I read in this and I hear about that there's going to be great tribulation such as been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be. There are some pretty just awful things happening in the world. Uh, just even, you know, the book that I referenced earlier about um, the insanity of God, uh, things that that I have seen in my job, um, stuff that has been, been recorded throughout history. I, I mean, I guess even just even some of the things that are, that are in the, that are in the Bible and specifically the old Testament. And I guess I come to this place where I'm just like, I, I, I don't get what the worst thing could be. Like, I don't know that I want to know. And so as I read John and he says he's our brother and our partner in the tribulation, uh, 
I really do land on this sort of the tribulation for me are the times in between Jesus's first coming and then his second coming. And that, as we mentioned last week, they're just going to be, it's going to be truly awful for some people and it's not going to be as bad uh, for others because, you know, specifically in this verse, he talks about, you know, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Um, we're not in Judea. And I'm not, I'm not just going to write it off as well. I'm not in Judea, so this, this doesn't affect me. We'd have to run a really long way to get to the mountains. <laughs> we would. Um, but again, I guess I just, I come back to the whole, this is, this is in here for a reason. Uh, clearly, it's, it's something that, that Jesus talks about, and therefore it has importance. Because again, it's not just a, 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 a kind of a fleeting deal. I mean, we're talking Matthew 24 and 25. We've just scratched the surface on it. Um, I I am fascinated by the fact that the temple came down in 70 AD. And something that we really haven't talked much about right now is what's there now. And that is... The Trump Tower? <laughs> it is not Trump Tower, no. Oh, okay. Um, but there's not a Jewish temple there. There's not a Christian church. There's not a synagogue. And there's a mosque, isn't there? There's a mosque, yeah. Um, and so, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if that plays into um, the abomination, uh, the fact that uh, it's called Dome of the Rock. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, I want to say it's gold, but I guess I don't know if it's gold or not. It looks gold. Um. But the Dome of the Rock is, is, is where the temple um, used to be. And, you know, uh, another thing that I stumbled across this week, and I don't know if it has any significance at all in this, but uh, Christian Americans uh, think that there's a lot of significance in Israel becoming a state in 1948. Um, the Jewish nation being put back together after World War II. But if you talk to Christians that are actually living in Jerusalem uh, or in Israel today, it's a very small percentage that think that that has any sort of biblical significance to it. Um, and, and I get that I'm, I'm kind of a rambling on here a little bit, but... Um, one, I, I don't believe that there's going to be significant events related to the end times, to the second coming of Jesus, to all this that we're reading here that applies to 20th century, 21st century America. And that's so how we want to view everything. Now, as followers of Jesus, I certainly think it's important, but... Um, we view the world very much through our lens and how things happening over there affect us. And um, I just don't think that's the case. And I do think it's interesting that the Dome of the Rock, a non-Christian, non-Jewish building, now exists where the temple was. And... I, I I sincerely don't know. Is that ground holy or not? Could be, probably. But 
to me, that's a bit of an abomination as a Christian or even a Jew to see that temple <laughs> be, um, or not, uh, not a temple, but a, um, a mosque, I guess. I'm not even sure if it's a mosque, to be honest with you. So really, <laughs> <laughs> let's look it up. Uh, when you said that we want Jesus second coming to be, uh, yeah, it's an Islamic shrine located on the Temple Mount, the old city of Jerusalem. Um, anyways, when you said that we wanted Jesus to come back in like, you know, an American way or have it all like be 21st century America, I thought, the second coming of Jesus, see it on IMAX in 3D. <laughs> you know, and... It was just interesting, this article that I ran across, because American Christians very much want there to be this connection between us and the Jews of Jerusalem and Israel. The Jewish Christians, the Muslim Christians, the Christians that live in Israel don't have the same kind of reciprocating view uh, that we do. And I I should see if I can find that uh, article so that we can put it in the, the show notes. but. Um, very interesting to me of just how myopic our view of the world can be. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Let's uh fast forward to um the end where he's saying um for false Christ and false prophets will arise. We've kind of talked about this again uh, or already in previous episodes. Perform great signs and wonders to lead you astray, uh, and if possible, even the elect. Mm. So once saved, always not saved? Mm. <laughs> Let the debate begin. Uh, so, I've told you beforehand. So, if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then I'm going to say the last verse uh, for the end. But I think Jesus is being a bit tongue-in-cheek here. If he's out in the wilderness, don't go. If he's in the inner rooms, (laughs) don't go. I'm going to show up like a flash of lightning. Like, do you think I'm going to walk around going, hey, guys, I'm back. Hey, 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 come look at me do tricks. Like, that's not how he started his ministry he just started right mm-hmm. he just showed up unannounced to john the baptist and boom it was game time mm-hmm. no warning no you know evite he just showed up and did it and as you know the thief comes like a wolf in the night jesus is going to be like oh i'm going to come back like lightning like it's just going to hit and when it does it's not going to be uh you know uh, foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's foreshadowed in the fence in the sense that we know it's going to happen and bad things are going to happen, but bad things are always happening. Yeah. And so it's just going to happen. So I think it's funny that like, if people are out there saying that they're the Christ, they're not the Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to announce my coming. It's going to happen when it happens and you're not going to see it coming until it does. Yes. So little piece of friendly advice. If someone out there is saying that they're Jesus, they're not Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go to their church in their basement. Don't drink their Kool-Aid. No. Yeah. Don't drink their wine. (laughs) 
don't do it. Uh, and then the last one, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. <laughs> That's like Edgar Allan Poe stuff. Yeah. Or maybe he got it from Jesus. But <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, that is, it's a very vivid image. Um, but I think that it's, I think it's a pretty strong statement. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my, my head around it so I can, you know, speak English, but it's like, you know, wherever, wherever the smoke is, there's fire, Mm -hmm. wherever there's vultures, there's dead bodies. So look out for the vultures, you know, don't the, the fake Christ, like they're out to get everybody, the false prophets, the false teachers. And the vultures are attracted, you know, to the dead bodies because it's food. So if you just keep your eyes open and your ears open and you start seeing buzzer or vultures, obviously, you know, here we're not talking about actual birds. We're talking about uh, people with ill intent. Mm-hmm. Go the other direction. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, what, you know, when, when I think of vultures, and false prophets, you know, some of the things that just come to my mind are, you know, they ask for money and want you to fund their ministry and farting you, preacher. you'll be blessed with that. Um, you know, I think, I think prof, false prophets um, have also used um, sex and, you know, particularly for their benefit and not, you know, it's it's just that people people don't do that, Dave. Come on, no, no one does that. But you know, those those false prophets, the people that have been followed, are going to exhibit those sorts of things that you're like, yeah, I don't think Jesus did this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it's it's just, you know, honestly, I I still just wrestle with. Uh, what, what does, you know, what does God call us to do? What does it mean to be a Christian? And, um, you know, do, what do we need to be willing to give up and do we have to give it up or is it a condition of our heart is our, um, and I guess, I guess what I'm arriving at is that, um, in addition to, you know, I read uh, Revelation one, and I realized that. Uh, Why, well, I, as I'm reading Revelation one and I'm looking at John, I was kind of like, "What happened to all the disciples? You know, the 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 twelve that followed Jesus. What really became of them?" And interestingly enough, John, who identifies himself as a partner or a brother in the tribulation, is the only one that died a natural death. If you look at all the other um, disciples, I'm just going to read through this list real quick. It's stabbed with a sword, filled with arrows, crucified by soldiers, thrust with a spear, crucified, um, stoned to death, crucified upside down, beheaded, stabbed with a sword, crucified, crucified on an X-shaped cross, and crucified. And so the whole verse of, you know, 
when when Jesus calls him or verse, but saying of when Jesus calls a man, he comes him he calls him to come and die. Um, you know, eleven of the twelve disciples, and then you got Judas who committed suicide. Um, they died. They literally died for their faith, and. I guess all I'm saying in my rambling here again is that it doesn't matter when we live throughout history. We need to figure out what it means for us individually to die to Christ and for him to live in us and for us to live the life that he wants us to live and not the life that we would choose to live. And I will be the first to admit that I'm not always sure that I do that. So. Um, well, I can be the second to admit that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, I, I, you know, I this is, I, I'm curious to see where we land on the other side of all this, because this, I have not spent a lot of time on this in my Christian faith, and I, I, I'm seeing why I have it, because it's hard, it's not easy, and it's... Uh, I just kind of want to arrive at this place of just sort of, well, it doesn't matter. But if Jesus spoke it and took up two whole chapters in a book recording what he said on this, there obviously has some serious implications to it. So that's what I've got to say about that. Cool. Well, I think we have uh, brought the ship in to a nice smooth <laughs> landing. People didn't even know that we were coming to an end. It's because we're gracious hosts, Dave. (laughs) But hey, that's it for episode 86. You guys know how to get to the Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, There'll also be a link to Dave's Twitter and mine in our email in case you want to get in touch. Yes. Be like, hey, crazy pants, you got this totally wrong. And I changed my Twitter. We sh- we could have had follow up, Dave. We could have had follow up. For like the first tell- time in like seventeen I'll, episodes. I'll have to do it next. We can do it at the beginning next time. Too. Oh, you're clever, clever. Yes. Episode oh. eighty seven next week. Woo-hoo. Bye. Bye.